Two douchebags, two and a microphone, two and a microphone, ready to invade your ear holes, your ear holes, two, one. First off, let's have a little fun. I uh, devised a uh, invisible for a day, and you get to paddle asses um, like we've been doing, only this is for uh, Facebook groups. So once again, the parameters are the same like uh, they've been before. You're invisible for a day. And you get to ass paddle, whatever. You get five of them in one day. So, the five of them could be anything. I mean, usually we reserved them for people. You know, like Skip Bayless. He's in the Hall of Fame ass paddling. So is Joe Buck. Um, you know, there are a lot of other people. Vladimir Putin, of course. Uh, that little bitty little fucking midget over there in uh, um, North Korea. He gets an ass paddling. There, there's, there's a lot of people that deserve, and, and some of them are lifetime ass paddlings, and those are the ones in the Hall of Fame. So, this is Invisible Ass Paddling, like I said, but it's for Facebook groups and chain posts edition. So, this is these annoying fucking things on Facebook, and uh, they get an ass paddling because they're annoying fucking things. And, you know, and actually, anyone who starts it, they get the ass paddling, too. So, let's say you have a person named, um, oh, Billy. And Billy does one of those, if you're my friend, leave a comment. Yep, he gets an ass paddling, because that's one of the things we don't fucking like. So, okay, so without any further ado, here are our Facebook group ass paddlings. Okay, number one, all the neighborhood watch groups. This started as a fantastic idea, but like everything else, should um, stupid fuckers hijack it and destroy it. The groups now have become either people searching for information so they can snitch on each other, the self-grandstander, such as, I help the homeless, I cook them food daily, and I offer them rides. If you don't do it, you're bad, etc., etc. I just think to myself, this asshole's the reason our free land looks like a fucking trash dump. You are a fucking asshole. You get an ass paddling, and so does your stupid fucking group. Both of you fuckers need to go away and stay the fuck away. You guys are destroying America, and I hate you fucks. Okay, so that, um, you know what? That goes to the Hall of Fame, the inanimate object, um, fake book group. Hall of Fame, that's it. it it's that solid, right off the bat that it should have a lifetime membership into this. So, number two, the good old, it's time for spring cleaning, so if you want to be my friend, you better comment below. Fuck you, asshole. You want me to basically grovel for your stupid-ass online friendship? Or worse yet, tell me something about the first time we met? What did you like about me? Hey, dimshit, <laughs> you need reminded? You're not the only friend... <laughs> In, in addition, you need you need a pat on the fucking back, you know, just to, you know, and if I don't do it, I'm a bad guy. You know, if you need a pat on the back, that fucking bad, you need to go see a therapist immediately. Take your fragile ego and shove your moratic dem demands up your ass. And so, uh, number two would be the old, um, you know, comment below, you're not a friend, or, you know, hey, let me know about what you said to me the first time we met. Remember, you tripped over me and you shit your pants. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. Okay. Number three, the very famous, you need help, I'm there for you. Pass around. The people doing this are the ones you never hear a peep out of if you need anything. Next time you see one, write down this asshole's name, uh, and then the next day, send them a private message saying you need to ride cross town. See how fast you'll get the, oh, I rarely use Messenger, so I don't see it for three-day bullshit. I encourage you, if you see one of these posts, to constantly flog that person with fucking cries for help daily. See if that asswipe ever puts up another lie. You know they won't. And you know that they'll be like, oh, I never use Messenger, so I didn't see it till five days later. You know if I would have saw it, I would have... I would have definitely been there to help. Fuck those guys. The only reason they put that shit up to disguise what kind of a lame friend they are. Fuck them. They need an ass paddling. The group needs an ass paddling. 
The whole thing needs an ass paddling. And a matter of fact, you know, all of these should go to the Hall of Fame. Fuck every one of them. Number four, any political posts about anything. I mean, we all fucking know how we feel about everything at this point. Safe to say, if you're 50 years old or somewhere around there, you know how you fucking feel. And someone writing something, some sort of shit online that they think is, I don't know, clever, it is not going to change your mind. You're not suddenly going to have an epiphany and go, oh my God, I can't believe that this person wrote it just like that. I would have never understood it. Oh man, I need to write them a thank you note. Fuck those guys too. And I don't know if they get in the Hall of Fame, but they definitely get an ass paddling. And I don't know, you know, every one of these fuckers... Even number four, light them on fire while you're fucking ass paddling them too. I don't care. They deserve it. Fuck every one of them. And then fifth, the good old recommended services group that becomes a petty rag fest or a way for the competition to spread lies and try to ruin competing businesses. You see one fantastic great job post followed by promptly by a barrage of motherfucking. Grow up assholes. If you're afraid of your competition, you don't have it. We here at Two Douchebags and Microphone are not afraid of two fucknuts and a recorder. We encourage them to piss off people and offend all just like us because we're secure. We're secure that there's no other douchebags that can touch our douchiness. And if two fucknuts and a recorder come along and take our throne, that's us because we didn't do it right. And it's no one else's fault. So, those are my top five of fake book ass paddling, fake book group ass paddlings. Everyone deserve it and everyone, every one of them need to be lit on fire too. Fucking kill every one of them. Okay, so the next thing that I'm going to go into is uh, the four types of cruisers. Now, I've already have one of these recorded and Christopher has it. He has a raw audio podcast and he's more than welcome to use it on something if he intends on uh, ever using that footage. I don't know. I don't know if he likes it or doesn't like it or if uh, he's had a lot going on. So he may not have had enough time. So uh, whatever it is, um, the thing is, is um, uh, he can use it later too if he wants. But I have this. This is the four types of cruisers that I've noticed on, on, uh, on cruise ships. And specifically, Carnival seems to be the number one offender of these types of groups for whatever reason, the type of people it attracts, whatever. They are normally a cheaper cruise. Us, we like them, not not because they're cheaper. I mean, it's great that they're cheaper, don't get me wrong, because, you know, we can't afford cruises nearly as much as we, you know, if, uh, if we didn't go good prices on them, we'd have to go on about as half as many as we do. So we like good prices. But I think Carnival, uh, we like Carnival mainly because... Uh, you can find a bar open at 10, 11, 12, sometimes even 1 or 2 in the morning. Where most other cruise lines, uh-uh. Norwegian's not bad about it, but all the rest of them, Royal Caribbean, Holland, um, um, definitely Disney. All, all of them are really horrible about keeping bars open late at night. and Kind of hard to find a beer. Nightlife's kind of ho-hum. So, anyhow, this is... Uh, the four different types of cruisers that you will normally find on a cruise, specifically Carnival, but, you know, there's a NCL. They're also on Royal Caribbean, too, some, but here we go. Okay. Okay. Carnival, in particular, um, on the ship uh, card have different colors, and this is why a lot of this is more Carnival-specific uh, than others. This is a different color to signal um, to others how many cruises you have previously been on the carnival a ship card is uh, the card that is given to you when you check in to the boarding process this card is a card you get into your room with it's the, the card that you charge everything with um, on the ship you don't use money you don't use credit cards your credit cards is attached to this ship card you have to set up a credit card with it before and then you know they put a hold on it and then they take the money out the last day so anyhow the uh, I think uh, let's see uh, blue means it's your first carnival cruise 
And whenever people see someone whip out a blue card, you get a little snickering and stuff. And that look like, oh, oh, poor fella hadn't been on a cruise before. Oh, he's one of them. And anyhow, you know, the red one is, um, you've been on maybe three or four, I think, is a red one. And uh, then you get to gold, which uh, is what we are. We would have been platinum a long time ago, but we strayed to too many other cruise lines. So, but anyhow, platinum is uh, kind of a grayish color, and uh, and anyhow, but where gold is where we're at now, and gold is uh, you're you know you've been on I think probably over five cruises, but less than twenty five or thirty I don't know something like that could be about thirty cruises. I, I, we're really close to platinum, so I would say probably about thirty cruises. So. Anyhow, because Carnival does this, it creates a little bit of a competition. Uh, and uh, so, you know, and then Diamond is the elite assholes. They're the ones that are on a cruise all the fucking time. And, and they, they, think, they think a lot of themselves. You know, they have their card dangling for everyone to notice. They get priority on everything. So you see these snobs parading around, making sure you know they are special. That is the first and most obnoxious of the cruisers, is the diamonds, and then followed by the platinums right behind that. Then the golds can be obnoxious too, because the golds like to compare, somehow get someone to bring their card out when they're talking to them to get a drink or something, just so they can see that, you know, you're gold and they're not or whatever. So the second is the overmanaging Karen with the lush husband. The Karen has every second of her per children's cruise mapped out, complete with thousands of worthless photos constantly being taken, clogging up the ship with the in the gangway arteries. Um, the Karen is directing the family while the hubby is just smashed out of his gourd in the corner, and he just wants his week from hell to be over with. He has a constant grimace on his face and stays uh, so far away that you can't even you know, he, he, you don't even know he's with them. The only way you know he's with them is when they all get ready to leave the catamaran or what, whatever the excursion is or wherever they're at. They visit, they pretty much go over there, get him, and then take him with them. Otherwise, you wouldn't even know he was there. And that poor guy, he's just smashed. He's like, oh my God, this fucking Karen Zilla just won't leave shit alone. So, anyhow, the third one is the fake high-class douchebags. This dummy eats 7-Eleven hot dogs for life and gets on a boat and suddenly becomes a high-class food critic. His culinary experience has been limited to taquitos and nacho cheese sauce. You know, the low-budget moron, he orders food he can't even pronounce, and, it, and he, he sends it all back because his palate has, you know, dirt buildup and can't even imagine what good food is. That, that does, he can't even imagine what food that doesn't come in a bag or a plastic tub. That douche is very annoying and easy to read when he orders a number four. And, what it, and when, when he means the fourth choice on his menu, instead of actually saying what the name is. I asked Mr. Creepy about this, and he definitely had some ideas. And I'm not sure if we posted that one or not, but Mr. Creepy don't like that type of douchebag either. And... He pretty much, he had a lot to say about it, so we'll have to, you know, if, uh, if that's not posted, we'll have to make sure it is posted. Uh, fourth is the overacting seat hogs. These dirt bags have one person allotted to go into the Lido deck early in the morning to lay out the entire party of 15 blankets on the deck layout chairs. So when they wake up at 3 p.m., they have these seats secures for them. Uh, they're lazy fat asses. So the seats are unavailable, and they are not in use for most of the crews, thanks to these selfish assholes. The seat, the seat hogs even infiltrate the cruise shows as well. We got, we got to shows early only to find the best seats are already having personal items in, in them, such as sunglasses or a book or a towel. We love cruising. The Z's pukes, they make it a lot less enjoyable. But what I have been doing here lately is is I'll take someone's sunglasses and just like fucking throw them back behind something. And then, you know, hey, nobody, ah, someone will go 
not me, so they don't know it's me that did it, but someone else will take their seat and they'll think that they threw their sunglasses. And they come up, hey, did you see Bro's sunglasses was sitting there? No, I didn't see anything. Yep, that's because someone like me fucking threw them back behind something, you fucking douchebag. So, that is, um, now I'm going through these a little bit quicker because I know Christopher chiming in on this, so I don't know. We'll see how long this fucking podcast lasts here, this solo cast. So, so here we go. Um, okay, that was my uh, face group ass paddling. I think everyone deserved it and probably a lot more. Um, let's see, what else have I got going on here? You know, um, this is just really kind of uh, me just kind of, you know, trying to keep things going for a little bit while I learn the system better and I hope to have it one day mastered like uh, like Christopher does so um, I was also wanting to talk about some other things too Um, I was gonna tell you about how to how I found out by accident how to get real Cuban cigars in uh, in Cozumel. Now th- this is just a complete fluke, but this is quite a few years ago, probably no, oh, twelve years ago or so. Now I order them online; it's no big deal. But at the time, it's like a big taboo thing. Like, oh my God, you got Cuban cigars? Oh shoot! Now now it's like pretty common. I get I go up to Canada. Well, I was until COVID. I was going up to Canada every year because I have relatives up there close relatives up there and I go up there a lot to see them and um, and I'd get them up there and also you can order them online nobody gives a shit anymore it's not that big of a deal people used to shit and go oh my god but now it's kind of like oh you got a Cuban oh okay cool well this Dominican's pretty damn good too you know there's really not that big of a difference from what I could tell in the cigars I mean yeah they're I mean everything's pretty much caught up with Cuba I mean, even the land, from what I can gather, from what I understand, talking to people in the know, that uh, the Cuban cigars are, um, the land wasn't really, um, the nutrients weren't replenished. They didn't, you know, they didn't, they just stripped the fields, just kept planting the same thing over and over and didn't rotate the crops. So, it's not quite what it is. They're still great cigars. I've had a lot of really good cigars from Cuba, and there's certain brands that are better than others. And just, you know, just like Dominicans and Hondurans and all that, you can find a good cigar in a lot of different areas now. So, um, so I was um, on, a, on a cruise, and the last stop was Cozumel, like it normally is, because it's really not that far off, you know. Just down off the really off the tip of Texas there. It's not really that far at all. So um, we're in Cozumel, and I go into there uh, to uh, this place called the uh, Havana Club. It's right there on the port, so it's real easy to get to, and everybody goes there. Everybody knows where it's at, and, and all the ham and eggers like me and everybody else, they go down there, oh, let's get a couple of Cubans and smoke them up. Yeah, so I... I, I get a couple of Cubans, and I'm kind of eyeing them. I'm like, man, I paid a pretty good amount of money, and I'm not sure what the fuck this is. The band's kind of on cockeyed, and the rapper's kind of uneven and have blotches. And I'm like, man, I, I think I got ripped off, but I didn't know for sure. So later on that night, the captain who smokes cigars, he's like, hey, this is Captain Descala, and I think we were on the Triumph of the Triumph. And um, as you all know, Cubans are a no-no in America. So I encourage, you know, I I encourage all of you guys out there that have Cubans, come on up on the third deck tonight at nine o'clock, and smoke up with me. So I was like, you know, okay, what the hell? I mean, if nothing else, it'd be cool to talk to the captain, get some stories. Well, turns out it was just me and him. I was the only asshole up there. I think everyone else just like smoked them on their own balcony or probably was smart and just didn't buy them, didn't get ripped off like I did. So I go up there and the uh, the captain, he had a really nice Romeo and Julieta, beautiful cigar. And you could tell that it probably came in its own case with the hologram that they give you. And you could tell it was most likely real. 
So I bring out mine, uh, and I and he looks at it, and I go, yeah, I, go, I said, I think I got ripped off. And he didn't say yes, but he definitely didn't say no. He's like, mm. So I start to smoke, and it, I don't know, tasted like ditch weed, pretty much. It's horrible. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So I smoked it. I just bared it out and smoked it. And you could tell I wasn't real happy with it. And it, it was pretty evident that it was garbage. So I'm like, man, I, I go, where do you get your cigars at? You know, how do, how do you get the real things? He goes, oh, the Havana Club. I'm like, I just fucking went there. That's where I bought this ditch weed from. He goes, ah. He goes, all right. He goes, I got your answer. Well, this wasn't going to do me any good this cruise, but, you know, next cruise, uh, it did do me some good. So he said, all right. He said, what you do is when you go in there, you tell them you are there for Captain Descala's cigars. So... I went on another cruise, maybe seven or eight months later. This is back when I used to go with a pack of people, and we go as many times as we possibly could without one bankrupting ourselves, and two not getting fired from work, and and you know. So about seven months later, going to back pretty much the same itinerary, the Western Caribbean, you know, just the normal state of the state of the mill stuff. The uh, the Roatan Islands, the Costamayas, the Belizes, and all that. Last stop is uh, Cozumel again. So I go um, to the Havana Club last couple hours, and I go into the Havana Club, and you know, there's this guy. Hey, amigo, come on, hey, I'll sell you a cigar. You want real Cuban? And I look at him and go, Hang on, hang on. I said, I'm here for Captain Descala cigars. They all kind of looked at each other and. All of a sudden, this really slick-looking guy comes from around the corner, dressed nice, slick back hair. Oh, come here, come here. Oh, here, over here. So there's this, like, little secret room back there, and it's full of all these beautiful cigars, where it looked to me like where the real Cuban cigars were at and the higher dollar ones, wherever they came from, the real ones. And he goes, yeah. And uh, he said, okay. And he said, well, uh, uh, what would Descala have? And I go, well, you know, um, well, you know he, he smokes the Romeo and Julietas. And uh, and I said he wanted some of those, and he also wanted a couple of Cohibas. The guy looked at me kind of funny. I don't think uh, I don't think Descala smoked Cohibas. But, you know, since I went in there and dropped his name, I think he definitely believed me. So he's like, oh, okay. So he said, all right. Did he say what kind? And and I got to looking around. I said, oh, that one right there, that... Uh, it wasn't a bee hike. It was something else. Um, one of Corona. Um, oh, geez, I, for, I forgot. It's like a robusto type of a of a uh, Cohiba. It was nice looking cigars. So I got a few of those, and and they weren't crazy priced for a real Cuban. I mean, they weren't cheap, but I mean, they weren't like uh, the, since they're for the captain. I'm pretty sure that they, that they charged him enough, but didn't go crazy on him because. These places in Cozumel, they rely on um, on tourists off a boat to make to make a living. So I go in there, you know, and and I mention his name, and I got some really good cigars, and uh, and uh, smoked a couple out there on my private balcony, and they were really good. And I've had Cubans before that, not very often, but you could tell. It has that kind of a roasted, what I call kind of a roasted type of a taste. Really, really, really good cigar. Like I said, I like a lot of different types of cigars. And, you know, the Cubans up there, yeah, I like a lot of Dominicans and some Hondurans and stuff. But the Cubans, really good cigar. So, uh, so I had a couple of them. And uh, we're going through the New Orleans port, which is notorious. Just... Uh, it's just I don't know how it is now I haven't went through New Orleans in a long time I usually try to go through Florida actually I think probably the last I don't know except for the Alaskan one a couple months ago I think every cruise since that New Orleans one has been out of Florida because I just like Florida better better weather better scenery um, everything I do enjoy New Orleans but it's a little little much sometimes with all the beggars and and all the bullshit that goes on there so I'm not saying Florida is perfect but it's no nowhere near as like uh, like New Orleans can be so um, I'm coming back through there 
And um, in Cozumel, the resort we went to, the guy was jumping up in these banana trees and these coconut trees, and he's like uh, slicing off these huge, um, uh, what would you call leaf limbs or whatever that are on those type of palm trees. And he would shimmy down the tree and he would weave you a sombrero right in front of you and sell it to you for 10 bucks. So, you know, I'm pretty lit and I'm smoking a cigar and I'm like, yeah, 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 I'll take one of them. So he shimmies up there, slices off a couple of nice leaves, comes back down, weaves me up a sombrero. So um, we're going through the customs line in New Orleans, which I previously mentioned, it can be pretty horrible. And um, I uh, go through there and um, all of a sudden I hear you over there and it looked like the guy was pointing right at me turns out he was but I was like I'm not doing anything wrong so what does he want me for you in the sombrero oh shit and I think I was wearing green or something in the green shirt in the sombrero oh shit I look at him yeah you you know so I go over there and um, it's quite a ways away and I have a lot of time to think while I'm walking over there very reluctantly and I go oh shit it must be my Cubans they know I have Cubans oh fuck I guess it is a big deal so I get all the way up there I mean I bypass all these huge lines and it's just a completely different line with nobody in it and the guy goes oh and he just turned out to be real friendly after kind of screaming at me to get me over there I gotta inspect your hat make sure there's no mites he looks at it goes there you go all right you're free to go well, free to go meant that um, I had my luggage in tow with me, which means that I didn't number, I didn't have to scan the luggage or nothing. It was the perfect crime. <laughs> I went right through, went out there, and um, went and had a couple of drinks. Um, had uh, had some, uh, not a beignet, but it was something kind of like a beignet, like a crepe or something, uh, just a little ways down from the uh, the cruise terminal, and uh, came back. My friends still weren't out, and I was waiting on them. So I went walking around New Orleans. I went back to the hotel that we stayed at. I wasn't too very far. I sat in their courtyard, drank a beer, smoked another cigar, and then I get a call. Hey, we're here. We're out. And they're like, well, what the hell happened to you? I'm like, well, I went through that line because I was wearing my sombrero. And I got to keep it because they didn't have mites, and it's pretty funny. So that was something I lucked into. And then from there on, I, I wore a sombrero again, but I didn't get called over there. I don't know if they, this might didn't exist anymore or what, but um, it worked. And it worked that one time. It got me out of a couple hours of misery. But it, they just, um, and actually, you know what? Thinking about it, no, I don't know if it ever did work again. I think that was the last time I went to New Orleans. I don't think there was another time. So, and um, let's see, the next time, I think, if I remember correctly, was in Miami, and I was wearing a sombrero, and they didn't seem to give a shit, so, if I were, or maybe it's Fort Lauderdale, it doesn't matter, anyhow, I do not believe I was in New Orleans, but this other place didn't seem to give a shit, so, anyhow, there you have it, and, um, that was pretty cool. So then we have this, uh, I had this other little prank that I'm gonna tell you about. And this one was really fun. Uh, me and Val like to go to uh, um, Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Nice little getaway, fun. A four and a half hour drive. So um, we're, going, uh, we're going to Eureka Springs and um, there's this, um, observation point it's about two miles outside of town and we like to stop there and look off of it overlook the hills and mountains and beaver lake and the mountains in there are called the boston mountains i don't know why maybe it's named after an indian tribe or something but anyhow it's uh, called a uh, the boston mountain chain and uh, even though you're nowhere near the northeast so we're overlooking these mountains and beaver lake which is gorgeous is a very deep Beautiful lake, um, spring water, spring fed, all cold, a lot of trout, just beautiful, beautiful land. And um, right next to this uh, observation deck is this curiosity um, slash 
antique store. So Val likes to go in it, and I'm sitting out there, and I'm puffing on my cigar, trying to get the last quarter of it down. That way I'm done with it, and I could go on to another one or whatever. I think we're actually leaving to go somewhere where I couldn't smoke one, but it doesn't matter, so... I, I smoke it down, and she's still in there. I'm like, oh, shit, well, maybe I better go in there and, uh, you know, try to hurry her along a little bit. So I go in there, and this guy jumps from around the corner, kind of a short, kind of pudgy guy, yeah, kind of like me, <laughs> nice guy, and uh, introduced himself. I forgot his name in particular, but, hey, yeah, yeah, I'm the owner. Oh, hey, cool, man. I like your store, man. Yeah, I own this whole mountainside here. Yeah, all the way down to Beaver Lake. Own it all, including the store. Oh, very cool. All right, that's cool. And he's telling me about how he likes to rough it out in the woods. I'm like, oh, that's nice. I understand that. And um, he likes to build his fires from scratch and all that stuff. That type of roughing it, you know. I don't even know if he had a tent or not. He might have been the type of guy that just, like, I don't know, just, like, light in the woods and went to sleep. I don't know, but, and he might have told me. I just don't remember, but it doesn't matter. So, I'm talking to him for a while, and this guy drives up in a Tesla, and uh, we start talking about Elon Musk, and I start going, yeah, you know, people, I can't believe people want to go to Mars when he said he may not be able to get you back. And that guy chimes in, he's like, ah, you know what, I, I want to go to Mars. I go, man, man, I go, he can't get you back, you're going to die. I'm really good with my hands. I, I rough it out in the woods all the time, and I'm like, <laughs> Okay, I didn't say anything about thinking, okay, 50 below, 100 below, and you're and you're being left there for an extended period of time or may maybe not be able to come back at all, and you're going to colonize Mars with your bare hands. <laughs> okay, so I did not argue with the guy. I won't argue with him. So um, I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. So I listened to him a little bit further, and I'm like, huh, okay, all right, buddy. So, all right, hey, nice to see you. Val comes around the corner. All right, let's go. So we leave. And then it dawned on me when I got out of there. I knew um, four other couples in the next month and a half that was going to Eureka Springs. So I individually call every one of them up before they get ready to head down. And, of course, you know, I had to do my normal prankster shit. And I encouraged every one of them to stop by that shop and just, you know, organically, with my fingers uh, in quotations, Mentioned to the guy that wanted to go to Mars. So, this guy, uh, he uh, he bites on every one of them. Everyone came back with a full report. Oh my God, the dude's eyes lit up. And he was telling me about how he's going to do this and that. and gonna, He's going to colonize Mars. And, and he could do it. And he could build a fire from scratch. And he could catch like little space rodents and eat them. And... <laughs> So this guy got barrage, got barrage probably for a month and a half. And even now, I know people going down there and I'm telling them, hey, go by there and pester this guy about going to Mars. Now, I sooner or later, he's going to have to realize that someone kind of like turned him in. <laughs> Two douchebags, one microphone, solo cast, featuring the dumbest one of all, Mark. So now, I would like to go to one of Mark's famous stupid stories. So, I gotta tell you about the uh, good old ball biter. The ball biter was, uh, it was a pretty fucked up story, but hang with me here. Alright, in school, there was, um, this guy, um, his uh, real name was uh, William, but uh, we, uh, we called him Biggin. Really big guy, and, uh, he would like to, uh, we, he was a really, really good run stopper, and we, we loved to just clog him in the middle on defense, and hard to get around this big son of a bitch, big stupid bastard, just a big old fucking farm boy, fucking corn-fed, fucking slob piece of crap, fucking illiterate, fucking sack of bag of shit. I couldn't stand the guy, but he was, like I said, he was great at football. So what Biggin would do is, uh, he would grow his uh, thumbnail and his index fingernail out, kind of like uh, those uh, the cocaine addicts do, um, where they, you know, where they can dig their fingernail in and sniff it or taste it or whatever the fuck they do to tell if it's good or not. 
and he used to do that and you know remember this is back in the 80s so when you're in a big pile and you're at the bottom and he used to do this just I don't know I don't know how to mean this or just because he was that stupid or where he thought it was funny he's he's sadistic all the above you know he's quite a mouth breather I mean the guy you never seen him with his mouth closed whether he's talking or just standing there, his mouth was constantly open. I don't know how many flies fell victim, but he's always just over there. Going, <laughs> so, Biggin, what he would do is he'd take his two long fingernails while you're in this dog pile, and he would get up right, just right in between your legs, right up there. I mean, right next to your sack and everything. And, you know, you're wearing your cup, so he couldn't really get that per se, but he'd get right next door. And he would just dig his fingernails in. He'd draw blood, and it would hurt like hell. I mean, you'd be down there going, ah, 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 ah. And coach would go, what's wrong with you, you pussy? And if you narked on him, man, then the coach would make everyone run gassers, is what they called him. And that was the side-to-side football field four times. And it depending on what the narc was. I mean, if it was something like really big, a really big narc, he really hated people um, pointing out penalties because he felt that was his job to see and he thought everything else was petty so you go hey so and so held me and then he'd be like oh okay smart ass well the whole team gets to run now and then of course you get your ass kicked in the locker room because you made everybody run like three extra miles and they were tired and they hate you and all that stuff so anyhow big and he'd like just pinch the shit out of you there so and and then uh, what happened a few times is his helmet would be knocked off. You know, this happened all the time because, I mean, we're a small school. They couldn't afford shit. So we had, like, hand-me-down helmets from Price Center or something. They said, hey, send them out to the Per Farm School. You know, those guys, they can't afford them. You know, we'll probably get a tax write-off anyhow. Send it to those cow turds out there. So, uh, you know, we got these fucked-up helmets and... And uh, they didn't fit very well. So big, and he, you know, he was really, he was a pinhead for such a big guy. He had a really small head. And, and you know, I mean, he just, I, looking back at it, he probably had something really wrong with him upstairs. And we just, I don't know, if they maybe they didn't test for it back then, or maybe they didn't, they just didn't give a shit. You know, they're just like, okay, well, you know what? He's going to school every day, and we're going to pass him. We need that, uh. We need that um, tax money. You know, they used to pass the dumbest fuckers there. So, anyhow. So, Biggin, he'd, he'd pinch the shit out of you. So, whenever he'd lose his helmet, he would bite you instead. And, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It takes a really special idiot animal to just, like, reach in there, right next to your balls and dick, and just bite the piss out of the inside of your leg. I mean, what a fucking brutal piece of shit, right? So, uh, anyhow, big in the ball biter, we used to call him. So, um, we're, we're all practicing, and we're getting ready for the uh, homecoming game. We're practicing extra hard because uh, who, who the hell was we playing? It was either Arch, Archie or Drexel, something like that. And they were our arch rivals, so... You know, everyone's like, cool him, cool him. You know, remember Fast Time at Ridgemont High, and I forgot who they played, but, you know, they had the banners up everywhere. Same shit. Yeah, same thing. Putting up banners. Everyone, team spirit, having the assemblies in the old gym, you know. And so, and all the shit that I hated, I'm like, who gives a fuck? I mean, I love football, but I don't give a fuck if we win or not, you know. So, uh, anyhow. Um, so, big dog pile. And, um, so big in there, he, um, you know, he's on the field and, uh, we had this, uh, really f- fast little running back guy. And, uh, anyhow, he was Jimmy and little Jimmy could fucking run fast. I mean, he was a fast little guy and he was so elusive <clears throat> because he would go underneath your, um, your legs and you jump on him and he's kind of like a snake he would just like slither right under you and you couldn't catch him i mean he was just something else well big dog pile and uh anyhow jimmy was having problems with some sort of jockish or 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 something and so he would uh um he had to uh not wear his jock strap 
that day because something about that strap was like irritating the piss out of his inner thigh. So, um, little Jimmy down there, he was down at the bottom of the pile and Biggin was over there too. And Biggin's helmet popped off, so Biggin reached right in there and was going for his inner leg like he did everybody else. And he got a hold of Jimmy's ball sack and just tore the piss out of it. So, anyhow, Jimmy jumps up screaming. And you can see blood. We, we had uh, white football pants. We're wearing the visitor stuff that day. And uh, the visitor was uh, white pants and a uh, blue top. So, he, you know, he wasn't wearing a jock strap or underwear. So, there's just blood everywhere. And the coach, like, flips out. Oh, my God, what happened? So, he pulls his pants down right there trying to figure out where all this blood's coming from. And he sees these huge fucking bite marks on Jimmy's balls. So coach flips out, who did this? Who the hell did this? You tell me now. So everyone pointed to Biggin, and Biggin couldn't get around it. Everybody knew Biggin did it. So everyone points at Biggin, he did it. And Jimmy's like, yeah, he fucking did it. So um, coach grabs him, takes him um, into the principal's office. Cops come down. And they fucking, I, I don't think, I don't know if they arrested him or not, but I think he had to go to court over it. But uh, it was a big ordeal. I mean, you know, it, I think it turned into like a sex thing, even though it wasn't, you know, he was trying to just bite his inner thigh like everyone else. And he accidentally got his sack because he didn't know that little Jimmy couldn't wear his jock, jock strap that day practicing. And, you know, this is, and, you know, this is like, September sometime when you have those really hot days at the end of September, you know, kind of like summer's last hurrah where it's like flipping you off on the way out. So, um, anyhow, that was, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it was really crazy and insane because there was like, oh shit, man, fucking Biggin's going to jail. And I don't think Biggin ever went to jail or anything. And I don't know if, like, if you used to look at his record right now. If he was, oh shit, who the hell is, uh, someone's sending me some messages here. I forgot to put my phone on vibrate. I apologize. Well, let's see if it's anything good here, and I'll get back to big in here in a minute. Let's see. Maybe I'm being too loud, and Val's telling me to shut up. Uh, nope, nope. It's a buddy of mine, and I'm just not going to look at it, because quite frankly, um, um, I'm focused in on this podcast, and I don't need any distractions. I mean, what if it's something stupid like, hey, I need a ride, and it's like, oh, fuck, I'm in the middle of doing this. So I'm not reading it. So whoever you are, well, you don't know what time it is anyhow. I'm not telling you what time it is. I'm not looking at it, and who knows who the hell it is messaging me. So uh, Biggin got in a lot of trouble. I don't know how much trouble, and like I said, like right now, if he went to go get a job somewhere, someplace secure, I don't know if guy, you know, Big and bit somebody's balls back in 1985 or whatever, or 83 or 4 or whatever. I don't know if that'd be on his record or not. I don't know anything about that. But Big and gotten quite a bit of shit over that, and it was a little nutty because, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> now when I think about it now, man, that's pretty brutal. Even his fingernails, let alone him fanging you down there. So... Yeah, I mean, we, we, you know, we, we were pretty brutal, though, too. I mean, to be honest, man, we used to thumb each other in the ass and stuff when we were down there at the bottom of the pile just to kind of, like, get their attention and stuff, just kind of like, Egh. So, yeah, we were assholes, all of us. So, we're all guilty of that. So, that's the story of Big Un. Two douches. Two douches. Two douches. Two douches. Two douches. Two douches.
So next, I'm going to be talking about Ozzy Osbourne. So, Ozzy Osbourne. Fantastic. Uh, what a career, huh? I mean, you know, the guy, um, you know, he, uh, him and Sabbath split up, of course. And um, it was uh, pretty hostile at first. You know, uh, Ozzy felt like they did him wrong, and Sabbath felt like Ozzy was constantly getting fucked up and, you know, not wanting to practice or do anything. And, you know, I could understand that. Um, you know, he's one of the largest names ever in hard rock, heavy metal. You know, from legendary Black Sabbath to even more successful solo career. As impossible as it seemed, Black Sabbath, the, pioneer, the pioneers, the inventors of metal music, the fact was Sabbath was the name, it had the name in the cloud, and Ozzy was surely dead in the water after the nasty breakup of Sabbath. Ozzy, with much help from Sharon, turned a sure disaster around and somehow became much more popular, much more mainstream, and much more celebrated. You know, Ozzy, at first, he was a demon to some types of people and a savior to others. His on- and off-stage uh, outrageous behavior led to his love-hate legendary status. Ozzy had achieved something no one had ever imagined. He was a bigger name and a much larger in record sales than uh, his former band. No one ever saw that coming. People thought Ozzy was going to be found dead somewhere and they th thought Sabbath with, with Dio, which was a very good choice. You know, Dio, what a, what a fantastic singer, right? Well, I mean, and then what he brought to the Sabbath with the Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules record, and then just stuff after that, too. Uh, you know, they, they did a couple other records later on after they broke up and everything. And, I mean, and his, uh, his style of writing really helped Sabbath out, becoming more of a metal band and less of a whatever it was before, psychedelic metal or whatever. So, you know... Ozzy had sold out, you know, he had sold out world tours, you know, he had, uh, him and his family had a very beloved and very successful, maybe the most successful uh, reality show ever, I don't know if that or the, the dumb, dumb fuck day and the Kardashians or whatever, I don't know which one was more popular, but it is definitely one of the most popular show, uh, reality shows, if not the most popular reality show ever. No one saw that coming either. You know, he suddenly became buddy-duddy Uncle Ozzy. So here's Ozzy. A lot of his success was attributed to Sharon, his wife, manager, you know, her shrewd dealings, and hooking him up with top-of-the-line musicians. Now, you know, Ozzy, you know, they, they used to buy their, they buy their musicians, and the, and the top-notch musicians would write the songs, and, you know, and Ozzy just come in and kind of fumble his way through it. But uh, Ozzy also, he had that rocker look. He had the outrageous antics. And he was just cool. You know, and that was the thing. You know, he had Randy Rhodes, Jakey Lee, Zach Wilde, Randy Castillo, um, Bob Daisley, Tommy Aldridge, um, Rudy Sarzo. I mean, they always bought the 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 top of the line um, the top of the line musicians and and it worked I mean you know he was uh, you know Ozzy was putting out all these albums thanks to the people they were hiring and you know the shows would be really shoddy for a lot of years and he would sober up for a little bit but I remember seeing him a few times where he's like really overweight and just out of breath and out of tune constantly and just kind of, you know, clapping his hands and going, woo, you know, and just, and it just, um, it was really just a fair show. I mean, I love seeing him, and I don't know how many times I've seen the guy. I mean, one year I saw him five or six times in one year. I saw him down in Lampy. I saw him two times in St. Louis, two times in Kansas City, and then, uh, was it, Illinois and I, was, I, I forgot this quite a few years ago. So because he was doing a, uh, a club venue first, and then he was doing a um, 
amphitheater venue afterwards. I saw him down in Lamp, uh, Lampy, Missouri, on this huge uh, mountaintop bluff in extreme southern Missouri, right next door to Arkansas. Always called it right next door to hell. Now, I love Arkansas, but man, I would never want to live there. So, um, Alice in Chains opened up for him. That concert was nuts. There's these hill jacks. It, first of all, the back then it was called the Swissville Amphitheater. I'm getting off on a little tent on a different subject here, but I'll go back to Ozzy. I just got to tell this story because it was nuts. So the cheap seats were up, and they were about, I don't know, at least 50 foot, if not a little bit higher. And it's just large rock bluffs. And there wasn't anything stopping people from going right up to the edge of the rock bluff. I mean, they didn't have like a fence or nothing. It was crazy. So people were up there fucked up, just like right, right next to the ledge. And here we are in um, the lower level where they have all the seats. And up there was just like the lawn. It was considered the lawn area. And I guess it was a lawn up there, but it was on these huge rocky bluffs and it's at least 50 foot down. So I'm looking up and I see this first hill rod just boom, in the air, jumped down, landed right in the middle of his seat, took off running to the front. A couple people chased him for about a split second and we'll never find him now. Next one does it too. I'm like, how the fuck are they doing that, man? Yeah, I'm like, gosh, I'd kill myself. Oh, third one come up there. Nope. He was a mangled mess. They went and put him on a stretcher, got him out of there. Fourth one, mangled mess. And I'm starting to get pissed off this time because I could not put, I could not hang up the phone. I just kept watching these fucking heel jacks jumping off of this fucking thing because they didn't want to take, pay 10 bucks more for a better seat. It was insane. And, and so I'm, I'm still watching the shit. And then finally I got some people up there and they stopped it. So I got to enjoy the show a little bit, you know. Um, Alice in Chains is just starting to really get underway. There's, they already put out Man in the Box and a couple other things. But, you know, and Lane Staley had a broken foot and he was out there in a recliner singing. And it was actually one of the very most very solid concerts i had ever seen and being down there on table rock lake on the bluff was really fucking cool uh, and so i love that area it's beautiful mountaintops a lot of evergreen trees beautiful spring water and all the uh and all the huge lakes down there so so um ozzy come out and he put on a pretty decent show I mean, he really did. This must have been one of the times when he sobered up briefly and started working out, and then he'd fall off the edge again. So, uh, and this is with Zach Wild. This is a little bit into Zach's career. I think, um, I think Zach's first one was No Rest for the Wicked, and I missed that one. That was one. That's about one of the few ones I'd ever missed from Ozzy. Um, and I forgot what was going on. Something was going on that night, and I could not make it. And I was so pissed. But this uh, this is one of my first times seeing Zach. And it was a very good show. Zach put on one fuck of a show. So, um, anyhow, I forgot exactly where I left off. But, uh, you know, they, they're buying all these musicians, and the musicians are essentially writing the songs. Well, you know... He, he was, uh, Ozzy is constantly landed in rehabs and mental institutions, you know, and then uh, he straightened up for a little bit, but then uh, quite a few times, um, you know, uh, Ozzy, somewhere along there, um, he quit buying musicians and he just kind of using who, you know, I mean, he still had Zach most of the time. But he always had top-notch musicians, but not ones that, like, really could really write compositions and all that. I think it was Zach doing the majority of the writing there from, let's say, after um, um, Osmosis, I think. I think Osmosis, to me, uh, was one of the last quality albums he put out until recently. And, and a lot of people didn't like that. I just happened to like it really well. But... Uh, so, Osmosis was, 
to me was a quality album. It wasn't his best, but there were some good songs on there, and it looked to me like they took a little time recording it and writing the songs, and a lot of more composition style. So I would say after that, probably about from 2000 to actually 2020, 20 years there, where his music was just shit, and his shows weren't that good. Um, he, he just seemed to not really care. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he, like I said, he'd always been kind of, um, you know, kind of known as kind of like, uh, okay, yeah, Ozzy, all right, whatever. You know, he was kind of like, almost like a joke. He, he was kind of like a, a, a parody of himself. It's just kind of like people didn't really, they refused to believe he is much of a musician. They refused to believe that he had that much to do with his, with his own success. You know, um, so let's go ahead and fast forward. You know, okay, well, I got to say this first before I go to uh, 2020, an Ordinary Man release, which was just phenomenal. So... In that time, he released albums that were not that good. And, I mean, quite frankly, they sounded like uh, Black Label Society with Ozzy singing. But even the songs weren't as good as Black Label. It's just kind of like Ozzy said, Hey, Zach, come up with a couple of riffs and uh, let's just uh, throw some shit together. And the only reason he put out albums at all during that period, to me, it seemed to me like, was to support OzFest. You know, kind of like, hey, check out our new album, um, Black Rain or uh, Earth or whatever, Back to Earth or whatever. And, you know, some of those albums in there that were just, you know, that down tuning and all that stuff just wasn't that good. So fast forward to 2020. Come out with Ordinary Man, songs like, like Elton John and a lot of big name producers. And he started working with his idols. And 2020, I mean, right before this, is announced that he had Parkinson's and he had all these other ailments going on. He was really in bad shape. I mean, he almost died from uh, pneumonia and respiratory problems. And this is pre-COVID. This is before COVID, right before. But he, uh, he was in grave shape there for a couple of weeks. And uh, he pulled out, and I think maybe that combined with uh, everything else about people just kind of making him a laughing stock and giggling. I think maybe that's what prompted him to try to secure his legacy as one of the best ever. I mean, he's sold over 100 million albums, sold out world tours everywhere, blew, blew all these other bands off the stage. They admitted it. I mean, I was watching this uh, Don't Blame Me, Ozzy Osbourne. I owned it, and I still have it somewhere on DVD. And he had bands on there talking about him. like uh, It was like the Moscow Music Festival or something like that, or the Us Festival. Or I, it was over in Russia. And uh, Motley Crue and Bon Jovi were fighting over who's going to go on stage last and be the, uh, the closer. And they both said, you know, they're talking about it. They said, well, Ozzy said, just, hey, come up, come up. Just put me on whatever. So he was on during the day, and he blew away everybody else. And by the time the other two bands got on stage, most people were leaving. They're like, man, it's not going to get better than that. I'm leaving. So, you know, um, the, the thing is, is he, he had been shoddy, and he didn't write most of his music. But 2020, after all of this that had happened, Parkinson's, him almost dying, him having complications because he fell down the stairs. And this is from that ATV accident that he had that almost killed him, I don't know, <coughs> 15 years ago or so. So he's, uh, you know, he's having a lot of issues. And it's like, well, okay. <coughs> Excuse me. It's like, He's having all these issues, and, you know, I mean, he could die. He has Parkinson's nonetheless, and how come he's suddenly interested in working with all his idols and putting out quality albums? The, the one that just came out now, Patient Number 9, is with Jeff Beck, one of his idols, 
and it is a phenomenal song. The writing on it is insane. It's so good. <clears throat> this is some of the best stuff he's put out ever since his first two, Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman, and that's hard to beat. Those albums there were some of the greatest ever put out, I mean, in that genre. No, any, any genre, some of the greatest music ever put out. So, why is he suddenly doing this? In my opinion, it's because of legacy. I think when he finally does die, I think he wants to be known as, you know what? Ozzy was one of the best ever, and it wasn't an accident. He knew what he was doing, and he was the best at it. And I think legacy drives a lot of people. And I think it's what, um, like second term presidents, sometimes suddenly they go on a little bit of a righteous path after screwing everybody for seven years, and that's because they want their legacy to go down as this or that. And they don't want to be known as an asshole. So, you know, I think that Ozzy has a lot of, he wants his legacy. He wants to uh, be known as a legitimate musician that put out great music that sold a lot of records and was one of the most popular ever and you know what i say god bless you i'm so glad you're doing this and i really appreciate the music in a time when music does not sell i mean i was looking at like the the chart charts from years ago and then now and what used to sell 10 million now sell like 90,000. Isn't that insane? And, and the digital music, it's a, <laughs> I mean, I hate saying it, but Lars was right. Most of it's stolen. They don't get any money for it. So, <clears throat> there's really no reason for him to put out music except he really wants to, uh, to come off well later on. So, that is my, what's going to later on turn into, hopefully with Christopher, is going to be what we, what I call first thoughts. And I think he had another name for his stuff, but that's where we come out of the bat. And, um, you know, we, we set the tone with um, a monologue. Chris will go on uh, his tangent, and I will go on mine. And we both think of subjects to uh, talk about that interests us, and hopefully it interests you. So way later on in the podcast, this one later on, an hour or so deep, I'm giving you this, which would have been my first thoughts on a regular podcast, but it's not the way this works here, bucko. This is a solo cast, so you got to put up with my shit. And, you know, like I said before, it's free, so shut up. Okay, now it's time for bad product ideas with just me. Mark. Okay. I only have two this time because, well, I just have two. I'm writing on some other shit and it's not done yet, so just deal with it. Like I said before, it's free, so fuck you. You don't like it, then go check out one douchebags and a toenail. I don't know. Whatever. So. Drum roll, please. Uh, shit, I don't have anything to drum roll with. Yep, and my phone's over there, so, uh, okay. No drum roll. So, here is what I have. I have Cracker Jacks with ham chunks. I thought it was a great idea, but I guess uh, they like it. You know, I mean, um, the, the makers of Cracker Jacks, whoever they are, Hershey or whatever, Nestle or something, whoever makes them, they didn't think it was a good idea, so it got scrapped, and uh, I happened to get this, one of our 500 riders that we have here at Two Douchebags and a Microphone. Um, one of them stole it, basically stole it out of their office. You know, they might be saving it for later, but now that I gave it away and our millions of uh, listeners... Um, you know, now, now everyone's going to know. They're going to do um, uh, Cracker Jacks with the ham chunks. So, that's no longer on the table. The second one is uh, Perforated Depends. 
for older people, you know, and um, the reason they're perforated is for airflow. And I was thinking, you know, hey man, who doesn't like their nuts and cooch to have a nice airflow, you know, kind of keep things unsweaty down there is always good. You know, I thought it's a great idea, but for some reason, um, they scrapped it really quick. So, I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, it didn't make a lot of sense to me that they would come out with something so brilliant and then just then just stop it. So, so anyhow, there's your two bad product ideas. And um, I think uh, this might be the end of this solo cast. I just wanted to put something out. And hopefully next time Christopher will be with me and... Uh, and everything will be all back to normal. We'll probably go down the city market and do one pantsless just to, you know, to um, declare our, um, uh, what would you call it, um, our dominance over everybody. We'll just be there with our balls hanging down, and, you know, and our little thumbtack looking fucking wieners. It'd be fucking awesome, right? So, without any further ado, everybody... Everybody out there, I wish you happiness, love, success, prosperity, and beer. Have a fantastic day wherever you are in this world, and thank you for listening. Love. <laughs>